Welcome to the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right. Hello. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a kind of a long break since we did an old grad podcast. It's uh, I think it's Joe. It's only I think it's been two months, almost, almost two months, almost yeah. two months. Uh, so sorry for the break in um, breaking contact, everybody. It's just been a busy couple months and trying to get uh, classmates lined up to do this. And uh, one week rolls into another into another. Next, thing you know, it's Mother's Day. Can't do it on that night. And so anyway, so here we are. It's May 19th, 2019. Um, and it is episode 17, and I'm excited to be able to have our classmate Keith Brown as our guest tonight. Keith, are you on the line? Yes, I am. All, hey, right. All right, Keith. Keith, I always, you know, I, Keith, Keith has got this beautiful, deep voice. You can, you always, is a very, very uh, distinctive voice. So, uh, Keith, uh, you were in the gospel choir, I think, right? And you probably... Um, you had that big, uh, I don't know what it is, baritone voice or something. You're able to call out some cadences. and <laughs> That's about right. Yeah, I used to call cadence, you know, at school when we would go on runs. And, um, definitely in the gospel choir. That's one of the great memories I had of the academy. That's one of the anchors I had that kind of kept me uh, stable while I was there. That's great. That's great. And you, um, uh, in addition to being in the gospel choir, you were in a bunch of other activities too. You were a, a big boys football player, I think. And then also you played one fifties, right? That's right. My best times were one fifties, man. I spent most of my time um, on the one fifties, and uh, me and Mark West uh, went out as captains together on the one fifties team. That was, um, you know, I got a chance to uh, play last year in the one fifties uh, grad uh, grad versus the cadets game, and I think. My shoulder's still a little bit banged up from that. It probably wasn't so smart for me to play. I've, I've been having a lot of shoulder problems, and um, I think it may have been related to to that event playing. And it wasn't even hitting a cadet. It was hitting one of the other old grads because we turned oh, around. Wow. I turned around. There's another, like, there's another, you know, you know, uh, gold shirt running at me, and we ended up hitting each other. And next thing you know, my shoulder was, like, all swollen and hurting and hasn't been the right. same since. That's not a good story, Jay. I wouldn't tell that one. I keep that to myself. It's my own fault for being a dumbass. It was fun, though. It was fun. And I can still do most things. I mean, I can still golf. I can still whatever. I mean, um, sure. I, I could blame it for my terrible golf game, maybe. I could do that. So Right, right. Yeah, I played in that game. Um, Mark had me up a couple of years ago, and uh, I went up and played in the game. And I haven't been able to get back in the last couple of years because of conflicts with the schedule with my kids and stuff but um, I'm hoping to get back soon to kind of help Mark out and, and be up there and contribute to those guys. It's a great event and it's a great fundraiser, fundraiser for uh, helping out the 150 Yeah, well, I, anymore. That was back in our day. Not our, I think it called Sprint Football. Sprint now. Football, that's right. And these kids can weigh more than 150. They weigh like 190, I think, or 189 <laughs> or something. Man, I wish I could go back there now and do it all over again. Awesome. I would have been able to play that as a cadet. You know, I was like right at that right at that weight that weight class. I could have played. I couldn't play big. I ended up not making the team, but for big boys. But I uh, could have played. Uh, maybe could have played sprint football. Who knows? Oh yeah, that's right. You played company ball too, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. You know, I remember when we were there. Um, Playboy magazine did a story about West Point intramural football. 
And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And they, they, they claimed it was the most vicious sport in America because you, <laughs> you, we were in full pads. It was eight-man football. And you had guys that had just been cut from the team, guys that played, you know, all through high school that were recruited athletes. And then you had guys that never played in their whole lives. And they're all coming together. And it was some great, some great, uh, great games. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So, right. so Keith, Keith is originally from uh, Savannah, Georgia. Is home currently, you're splitting your time, I think, between Atlanta and uh, Detroit, Michigan, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm actually working for a company that's based out of uh, the uh, Auburn Hills, Michigan, just it's a suburb just north of Detroit. And I have a home up here and then a home in Atlanta with my wife and my youngest daughter. I have four kids, but my youngest daughter is still in high school, so we didn't want to pull her out. We we took a look, but we couldn't find a good match, so we didn't want to pull her out, you know, her junior year of um, high school. And she's well-established there and kind of already built a legacy for herself in the high school. So we, I decided I'd make the sacrifice and just commute back and forth. I go home like every other week and spend time with them and I can work remotely and then, you know, spend a good chunk of my time here. Plus I travel for work, so I'm on the go a lot. How long have you been doing that for? I mean, was this kind of a relatively new new job? It is, it is yeah, for a couple of years. Yeah, they recruited me um, to take this role on a more global role. From I was at Home Depot in a similar position, but most mainly domestic, just between the U.S. and Canada. And uh, this gave me a chance to be a little bit more global, which I wanted to do, and I get that experience. So it worked out. Great company, great everything, except for, you know, it's far from, you know, home base and, and from family. So we make it work. Well, like you, I mean, so many of us, I think, you know, we've got line of sight to that point in time where the kids are all out of the house and it provides a lot more flexibility for what you can do, you know, professionally exactly. and you know, and personally. So that's that's great. Right. And, and I try to miss any events, you know, for them. I, I make sure, or my wife makes sure, that everything is on my schedule and I get there um, pretty much in any time that I can. So what, what's your wife's name? Um, it's Leslie. Leslie, okay. And um, and you guys been married for how many years? Well, believe it or not, I'm a I'm in the two percent club, so she's my high school sweetheart. And um, so I came into West Point with her, left out of West Point with her. You know, we had a couple of breaks there. You know how that goes. But um, yeah, we got married in uh, 1992, so this will be 27 years this October. Wow! How many times yeah. have, have you been back to West Point? Yeah. Yeah, we've been back a couple of times. We went back for a couple of reunions. Um, the last reunion that I went to was, I believe, the 25th. That was the last one that I attended. So when you go back, um, she obviously knew all your buddies and company mates and, and whatnot, right? So for her, it's kind of a reunion as well, right? Oh, yeah. She's been to all the events. You know, when uh, as we you know hit our milestones going to school, like 500th night, 100th night, you know, ring weekend, all of those events. So it's kind of weird because she's one of the few who've been around from the beginning. So she knows, like, you know, all of my classmates and company mates and, you know, guys I hung out with and around and ladies from the beginning. So, and we, you know, we ran into them again in the Army and we run into them again now in life. And she knows all of the history. So that's an odd thing for her because she knew them when, right? When they were single and doing crazy stuff and dating different people some they married some they didn't she also knows first wives and second wives and she has all of that history so when we run into each other 
and they know that she knows them from the beginning too. So it's always that kind of odd vibe, but she knows the history and she gets it. All the things that we talk about, which many of the wives who came after, they don't get that. If they don't understand, they weren't there during all of those times. And, uh, you know, it's funny because when we go to restaurants, I still cut my food and put my fork and knife on the plate the same way I did as a, as a cadet. And she always notices that and pays attention to that. And those, you know, around her, you know, wives or girlfriends who knew her back then, they all recognize it. So you can kind of see that gleam in their eye when they notice that. And they kind of give each other that look. And, of course, we talk about it and laugh about it afterwards. But, you know, new wives or, you know, new girlfriends, they don't get that. They don't understand that history. You know? Yeah, it is kind of an interesting dynamic. I, I, I've seen the same thing in my own company, right? So, like, Brent, Brent Bourne's wife, Judy, Judy Bourne started dating Brent when we were yearlings or cows and then also Monica George is another one and um and then also um Chuck Pochet's wife and I'm, I'm gonna draw a blank on this and she's gonna kill me for doing that shit I'm an idiot uh, oh Hope she's not listening <laughs> yeah I'm so sorry I because I, I'm an idiot I wasn't I wasn't prepared for this because she dated since 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 plebe year right I mean, they, they, yeah. they've been together the whole time. Oh, I'm an idiot for not knowing this. What the? F- <laughs> I'm terrible. Anyway, right. no, uh, it's not all right because he's one of my best buddies, and 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 she was too. Shit. Anyway, um, but the dynamic is quite interesting when they get together with like my wife. I married her. I met her after the army, after West Point, after everything. Right. So then there's right. like, you know, like all those kind of like, I guess, early year stories that. She wasn't a part of, but those guys were, and then I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of an odd dynamic. Oh yeah, definitely. So oh, yeah, we go back, man. And it's a lot of history there, a lot of memories, a lot of good friends and relationships that you know I still cherish to this day. And you know she's a part of that, so that's that's really good for the both of us. So so Keith, um, uh, you've listened to some some of these other uh, old grad podcasts. I have, I have. Yeah, I think the last one that I was on was um, Abercrombie. So, okay. You know, yeah, I know John very well, and you know, I, you know, I follow um, Army football, so you know, I know the story and everything. So that was the last one that I actually listened and participated in, and uh, that was really awesome. So, did you know his wife Shannon in the gospel choir? Yeah, she was in the gospel choir with us. Yeah, yeah. I actually recruited Shannon to come into the choir and, and sing with us, along with uh, a couple of other. Um, 92 uh, females that were in um, our company who joined the choir. And um, TJ Davis is one, and she helped me uh, recruit Shannon to come on in. Shannon was a little shy, had a beautiful voice, and uh, but didn't want to do it, but she loved it. And when she got in there, man, you can tell that she just kind of came out of her shell and just blossomed. So it was awesome to have her there. So we have a couple classmates that have joined us on the podcast. I'm trying to figure out exactly who met. I know Lisa... Woodman Rumbles is there. Dave Chambers, Reggie Crenshaw, uh, Laurel Landry, I think, is on the line. Um, and Scott Clemenson and a few others. And so we should just maybe take a take a take a step back and just and recall why we're doing this, right? So this this all started a little almost a year ago now. This this whole idea about doing an, a podcast with, with our classmates. I am the class giving officer. And so this was an opportunity to kind of reconnect our classmates. Um, I was doing a lot of, you know, calling around and trying to get people to give donations. And, of course, every time it was a very rich conversation, kind of catching up and thought to myself, is there a way to, 
is there a way to share this across a broader a broader audience? And and that was one of the primary reasons for this. And um, the other reason is to remember our fallen classmates. You know, we've got uh, 25 of us that have um, moved on to uh, to to the next life, and we want to recognize and and remember them. Um, we want to also connect ourselves closer to the activities of West Point, and specifically around our our class giving goals. Um, sp- and speaking of West Point, you know, uh, Army baseball just won today the Patriot League by beating Navy in, oh, a, th- in a three game series. Yet. I haven't been out on social media, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, yeah. My nephew is a uh, my nephew is a yearling. He plays on the team, and so they yeah they won. They won at the end. Of the, they went to nine innings again, and they won. Uh, so they won the Patriot League, and then they move on to the NCAA uh, tournament. So they're pretty psyched about okay. that. So they go to like a super regional now or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go to the super regional. I think the next step. And so I mean, this is as far as I got last year. And they also beat Navy again for the Patriot League, which was great. So it's pretty cool that both Army and Navy were the two finalists. They play each oh, other yeah. in the finalist game, and uh, and Army won uh, two out of three. So that was great. Navy That's has awesome. Navy has a pitcher who is just lights out. He is a first round draft pick. Uh, oh wow. Like amazing. So whenever that kid pitches, there's almost no way we're winning. But he can only pitch once. He can only pitch one game. So that okay. so they're almost guaranteed to get that one. But uh, that's the way it works. Right. So speaking well, of spe- speaking of giving goals, um, G four company G four. You guys are you guys are one of our best companies. You're at sixty six percent participation rate, which is oh. which is great. Uh, we're 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 really working towards. Ideally, we want to get to ninety-one percent participation rate by our thirtieth reunion, and if we get to that yeah, level, last year is that really the, the goal of the target? Yeah, the, our, our goal was to get there by the thirtieth reunion to get to ninety-one percent, and if we get there, we will be the most generous class in academy history, uh, and so that's what we're working for. So I go through this list, Keith, and I'm noticing that there is not an X next to your name. You're one of the guys that and gals who have not given to the class gift yet. Yeah, that's that's my bad, actually. But I kind of planned this out a little bit because we've got the Inter Academy uh, Challenge coming on, so I've actually been saving up. Listen to you, listen to you. Come out and beat Navy again. How about how about that? So that's a good point, Keith. And thank you for that plant right there. So you're absolutely right. So we got the All Academy Challenge coming up in nine days, and this is where we compete against all five academies. Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Merchant Marine Academy. We have a competition for five days, five academies, who can get the highest percentage uh, giving. And then among the academy, there is a competition by class. Last year, we came in sixth place. And this year, I would like for us to be finishing at least in the top three, if not first place. So I think it can be done. We've got – so good that you're – Holding up on the Benjamins until waiting for this for this event, and so uh, you can actually give tonight. You can give money tonight, and then you can earmark it for the All Academy Challenge. So it doesn't actually need to be ten days from now. You can actually do it tonight. And I'll put a link into the um, into the show notes into the into the podcast. But um, yeah, so you can basically um, you can give tonight if you wanted to. So thank you for uh, yeah. thank you for knowing about that and um, <laughs> and looking into it. Not a problem. That's awesome. Yeah, please put that in there because I'll definitely jump on that. Awesome. Awesome. And so one of the other things that we wanted to talk about, uh, one of the other purposes for this podcast is to, um, is to 
shout out uh, accomplishments and to celebrate uh, the great things our classmates are doing and also where necessary to lift each other up. And on the lift each other up uh, area, um, so uh, just uh, prayers and thoughts going to Laurel Landry and her family. Um, she has recently um, been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, good news is that recently they did they did a, um, a a small surgery where they're able to contain the cancer and she's got to go through some radiation and some other procedures. And Laurel, we are thinking about you and praying for 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 you and your family. And um, and so that's uh, so good thoughts good thoughts to you. And then oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, prayers on going out to her and her family. Do you know her? I, I don't know her uh, directly. I just know her name. Um, I've heard, you know, a few people mention it before, but I know we had a classmate, you know, a few years back that had a battle with cancer mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't close to him and I knew him and had a class with him, but. Oh, that's Carl, when, Carl Every. Yeah. So Every, we're, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about Carl cause he was in our OBC class. So I want to, I want to come back to Carl cause Carl was, Carl yeah. was excellent. Uh, great yeah. guy. But in, in terms of also like a shout out to our classmates that have, uh, done great things. I don't know if you saw it today, but Ingrid Powell. Ingrid Powell won first place in a 10K race. Uh, awesome. a, yeah. So that's uh, 47 minutes, too, she ran 10K. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive, yeah. I've sent her a shout-out. Congratulations. I saw that on Facebook uh, yesterday and shouted out to her. That was awesome. Yeah. Ingrid's a great young. We go way back. She and I were at the prep school together along with a lot of other folks that are listening into the podcast right now. And uh, we got a lot of history together, so we support each other. And, you know, she's got some great kids, and she supports me and my kids, too, with all the things that they're doing. So great thing for her to, to get to accomplish that. That was awesome. So um, speaking of kids and uh, great accomplishments, uh, you have got four amazing children, um, and each one is as impressive or more impressive than the next. So why don't you give me the rundown? Tell me about... Tell me about each one of these kids and and uh, what they're what they're doing. Oh man! So thanks for that. Um, yeah, you know, not just me, right? It's my wife too. She had a part in that. And uh, yeah, we have four children. We got two boys and uh, two girls. Two boys being the oldest. So our oldest is uh, uh, Blake uh, Brown, and he actually um, just finished uh, college and actually finishing up his master's. That he already did his undergrad, but he's finishing up his master's as well. And um, in sports management, he got his undergrad in um, economics from Troy University. And he's a football player. And he had a really, really, I mean, I've been on a ride from him being recruited and um, going through that whole process and playing football at the one level and, you know, beating some good teams. I mean, he was instrumental in, in their big win against LSU a couple of years ago and their win against Nebraska last year. So I've been along for the journey. And seeing him go through this whole process, you know, he went to the, NFL Combine, which was a dream of his since he was like 11 years old. Um, he told his mom and I that he was going to do that. And I participated in that when he got up and he did it. You know, he told us he was going to play one day between the hedges, um, which those down south in Georgia know that. And Troy played Georgia one year and he ran out and played in that game in between the hedges. So all these things he's been saying has been his dream has been awesome. And um, he's gone through the process to get to the NFL. But unfortunately, he went through the draft and we we had indications he would get drafted, but he ended up not getting drafted because he had a terrible knee injury the end of his junior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tore ACL completely, and it it's healing, but it's not fully healed yet. 
And um, he just didn't do as well as he wanted to do at the combine. So he actually ended up um, not getting drafted. And they were a little concerned about his knee and how strong it would be. So he decided, as a matter of fact, just recently, if some of you saw it on social media, he signed with the Canadian Football League. He got oh, a guaranteed, wow. guaranteed deal with um, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, he's up there now. They flew him up. I mean, he signed Thursday night, and he flew up there first, well, Wednesday night. He flew up there Thursday morning. And uh, he's playing with the Rough Riders, and they've got him playing on what they call the A-Squad, which down in, in the NFL would be, you know, the first team. So look for him to be a corner up there starting. And they start next weekend. May the 26th is their first preseason game. So it's pretty fast, pretty rapid that this is happening. And he'll play with them for a year, and then there's an open period where the NFL can come in and take another look at the guy. So he's hoping his knee be, will be back close to 100% by then and really have a shot at doing that. So we're really proud of him, really supportive of him. And he's got alternatives and things to do because he wants to work like in the front office of, of a sports team someday or, or a major university sports program. So that's why he ended up getting his master's. He was a fifth-year senior, so they paid for him to work on his master's as well. And uh, he's about to get that. He's got one more class to kind of finish up, but he's already done his portfolio and his dissertation. So that's almost wrapped up. That's real great. Proud of him. So is he he's at Troy State for all five years? Yeah, it's actually Troy University now. It used to be Troy State back in the day, but mm-hmm. it's Troy University now. And, um, yeah, he was there for all five years and uh, had a great career. Actually ended up being uh, one of the top guys in the, in the nation for interceptions and um, and was rated at one of the top ten cornerbacks. But he was rated number two of um, uh, the guys who did not get drafted um, in the NFL. So he ended up being on that list this, this past year. So a lot of people thought he was going to get drafted, but there were a lot of teams that kind of, you know, things happen during draft day, right? Needs and trades and those kind of things happen. So we were prepared for that. And um, so this is just the alternative that he decided to take. So we want to see how his journey goes. And I just been real proud dad, you know, watching him go through this process and just learn so much. Because right behind him, um, all our, our kids are 16 months apart between the boys. And then 19 months between my youngest son and oldest daughter. And my daughters are about 16 months apart as well. And he has a younger brother that just finished off his sophomore year of football at, at Duke. That's Brit- Britain, right? Britain. That's Britain. Mm-hmm. So Britton Brown is um, yeah, our, our second son. And um, he just finished off, like I said, his sophomore year. And uh, he had a little bit banged up sophomore year. Had a great freshman year um, playing the second running back at Duke. Started last year. Unfortunately, helped the Army in the first game where they, they just really couldn't stop him. And um, so it was on to a promising uh, season and then got a little banged up. So it was a little rough year. But coming back again this year for his junior year and looking solid and um, doing really well. He made uh, first team um, all ACC academic. He was preseason first team um, as a running back and academic and ended up being third team. Um, for all ACC as a running back, but he made the first all academic team, so we're real proud of him. So now, your boys, I mean, amazing stories. I mean, just unbelievable. They, because they're only 16 months apart, so were they playing on the same team like in high school? In high school, they got a chance to play a part of Britain's freshman year, but he ended up getting a little bit of an ankle injury, so he didn't play as much. But Britain's uh, sophomore year and Blake's senior year, they both played together. Um, and they both played both sides of the ball, so that was pretty awesome for me because uh, Blaze was a wide receiver in a corner, 
and Britton played running back and safety um, in high school. So that was the one full year they got to play together the, the whole time, which is which was really good for us. That must have been just. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, two D one athletes that are you know sure. one. I mean, they had to be the stars of the team, right? Both of them. They both were. Uh, Blake, um, his senior year was player of the year in Georgia, and um, Britton, his senior year was player of the year, and they both were team MVPs. So. It was really good to have them both be successful like that. And, you know, one of the things that we were blessed with is to have a sibling rivalry because, you know, big brother can't let little brother be better than him. And, and little brother is trying to do everything that he saw his brother do. So they literally did that, followed each other, and followed their footsteps. So we were very proud of both of them. And they played each other, too, in a game, right? There was Troy State Duke or Troy yeah, University Duke. They played each other. I mean, the teams did, but Britain wasn't at Duke yet. He had already committed to Duke, but he had not gone down there yet. He didn't go down until the following year. Oh. Um, yeah. We were actually were at that game, and Blaze played against him, but he wasn't at Duke yet because he, um, he got redshirted when he first came out. Um, I see. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, that was the moment. And we would have been kind of like the Currys, right, with them um, going against each other had that happened. But, unfortunately... It didn't happen. Troy Troy does not play West Point, I don't think, right? No, they haven't been on Army schedule, but they played some, you know, pretty big time teams, but not Army. And Duke actually played Army the last couple of years, but they're off the uh, schedule now. I don't think they're scheduled to come back again for a while. Um, I actually went up to West Point a year before last when Britain was a freshman, and um, they played at Army. And it was the coldest game I have ever been at, and uh, we were hosted by Mark West. Um, and his family, and uh, we had a really great time. And unfortunately, Duke did not win. But fortunately for me, Army won. So either way, I came out a winner. And uh, my uh, oldest daughter and I went up and watched that game and saw Britton play. And he's actually scored a touchdown um, against Army in that game. Uh, so that was a great experience as well to see him up on the field, where you know spent many many years uh, hanging out and uh, watching him play and score. You know, Army was pretty cool. I watched it on TV. Actually, you got to mention on TV. They 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 mentioned you uh, on on the actual. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They it was yeah. whatever was on ESPN or. You know, Army actually um, recruited Britain, and uh, Holly West, Mark's wife, actually tried to help us, and Jeff Simpson uh, tried to help us out as well to get him on their radar. Um, since Britain was a sophomore in high school, but you know, one of the first teams to come watch him was Navy, and Navy came down spring of his sophomore year. He hadn't even played that much yet. And I asked the Navy guy, I said, how'd you hear about them? Why'd you, why'd you come? And he said that a Navy retiree, not an academy grad or anything, just a you know an enlisted man in the Navy who's retired and watched our football game, called up and said, hey, we got a kid down here that's fantastic. I think his background and everything fits what you guys are doing. You need to come look. And they came. And wow. uh yeah, Holly got with me because, you know, she was working ODIA and she said, my goodness, we got to get his word out. And then for whatever reason, the um, Army was really late to the table and trying to recruit him. So he was my one kid that I thought might actually go to the academy and they would recruit him um, because they didn't recruit any of the other kids, even though we tried to get the word out and let them know. Um, they just didn't work out. Well, you got and, one uh, more. I got one more. And actually... They have sent her a letter, my daughter that's a junior. She's two-time defending state champion in the 100 meters, and she's also on our state Final Four basketball team. So Army has sent her a letter, and uh, we've sent some film, but we haven't had any follow-up yet. But, you know, 
she might be my last hope, but I don't know if uh, Chatham will actually go to the academy now. I don't know if it fits her personality. Britton would have been perfect. I mean, he, he would have been perfect for it. He grew up bleeding Army black and gold. And I, I always took him and Blaze to uh, Army football games and travel up. And then all the kids went with me to Army-Navy games over the years. So we even stayed with Calvin Cass um, um, when they played in Philadelphia the last time. And uh, hung out with him and his family to go see the Army-Navy game. So they got a taste of it, and they grew up with it. They just, for whatever reason, you know, I know they have, you know, national recruiting, so they just didn't get on their radar in time. And when, by the time Army offered Britain, he was a um, – you know, ESPN 300 recruit and had all these offers from everywhere. So they were kind of late to the game and he had already built a relationship up with Duke and, uh, you know, turned down Stanford and all these other schools in order to, to uh, go to Duke. So, so we're really, um, I was a little bit disappointed, but I think it ended up being the best thing for him. You ever meet Coach K? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was part of the recruiting process. Um, they knew that I was a West Pointer and um, uh, Coach Cutcliffe, who's a football coach, and, you know, famous for the Manning brothers and everything, arranged for us to – so this is how they did it. They recruited our entire family because um, our oldest daughter is a uh, – so we already talked about the boys, but the two girls as well are great athletes. So they arranged that Duke for the track team to recruit her for um, uh, the heptathlon, which is a multi-event because that's what she does in track and field, and talk to her and kind of wine and dine her. But unfortunately, Duke didn't have what she wanted to major in. And they had Duke uh, basketball talk to our youngest daughter for basketball. So, and then part of getting my wife and I on board was they had Coach K talk. They took us up to the basketball arena that was undergoing some construction at the time and uh, took us into his office and we got a chance to meet with him, which was fantastic. Right, sitting in Coach K's office, walking through, they have this corridor in Cameron Indoor where all the national championship trophies sent. And I'm um, seeing him and, you know, he was wearing his West Point ring. I was wearing my West Point ring and we shook hands. He turned my hand over to take the ring out. I turned his hand over to take his ring out. What a nice guy. Wow. Uh, just, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome to be able to see that and, you know, experience that. So, and, you know, they brought us up for, you know, many of the big, the big basketball games where they're recruiting him so he can kind of get an idea what the atmosphere was going to be like when he's not playing football, you know, other things that he can get involved in. And what's better than a Duke North Carolina basketball game, right? You know on national TV and getting the chance to go in there and see, you know, and participate in that. So that was one of the things on my bucket list. So I got to check that out. So I just saw that uh, Chuck LaPellis joined. Uh, Chuck is a uh, company, I think C3 and one of my buddies from uh, Buckner. And this, th- this guy just ran, I think a 50 mile race, 50 freaking Holy. miles. I know oh. it's crazy. He is, What's that he, when you run a fifty miler? Is that like a special kind of marathon? Uh, or yeah, yeah, it's like a long, like a super marathon. Like Ironman on speed. Or well, something. what happened? So, <laughs> no, but here's the thing about Charles. <laughs> what I remember about about Charles Lapelis was that I mean he was I mean he's a very athletic guy, very in shape, but was like not one for going out and running and doing all this extra work and stuff. He married somebody that was all into it, so I guess he's figuring like if he wants to hang out with his wife, he's got to go running. She runs hundred mile races. Wow. Insane. That is incredible. <laughs> That's like insane. Yeah. That is insane. I would never do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So congratulations to him yeah. though, man. Make it fifty miles. Yeah. And how many days in one day? Six <laughs> hours, I think he did it in. Six Ooh. hours and thirty three minutes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think I, I think I got that right. That's Something like, like that. ha- that's more than halfway to well, that's about halfway to Atlantic City from here. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
And yeah, then also, I also saw Kim Evans join. So hello to Kim. Kim was one of our guests last. She's actually our last episode was was Kim Evans. And so since okay. that time, she's moved down to Dallas, started her new That's her right. new job. So congratulations on that. I do just want to insert something here for everybody listening. We're about to experience some pretty turbulent weather, severe thunderstorms. Here in yes. New Jersey? Okay. So where we are, if we're interrupted, if all of a sudden we drop out, that's because uh, services have been interrupted because okay. of the storms. So well, we'll stay on the line and it'll, it'll record yeah, through. It'll, well, be on, it'll be on Podbean and everything else afterwards. Well, so. as long as the internet stays up. If it goes down. Oh, we're screwed? Yeah. All right, we'll see what happens. So. Maybe, maybe we'll... <clears throat> Um, Just in case we disappear. Yeah. Positive, sure. yeah, positive mental attitude. PMA. I'm recording PMA. locally now, though, so we can. Uh, I can always stitch it together. So. I actually learned that from Ingrid. Ingrid used to say PMA. PMA, people. Positive, positive mental, mental attitude. attitude. All right, yeah. that's what she said. Okay. PMA. Yeah. She's a Jersey girl, too. Yeah, yeah. No, she, yeah I know. She, 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 she and I were in Buckner together. She was great. And we had such okay. a good time with Buckner. And uh, <laughs> she's always talking to these, to these yearlings. PMA, people. PMA. Positive mental attitude. <laughs> So is your daughter going to go to Duke also? No, the oldest one, she she wants to be a veterinarian, and Duke doesn't have a veterinarian program. So this is the oldest daughter. And so she decided to go to Barry. So she's a freshman this year at Barry, and we're really, really proud of her. She came out with a 4.0 GPA um, in animal science. Um, and the things that they do, man, just blow my mind and what she's learned. But she's always loved animals since a little, as being a little kid. Never ran away from, you know, animals out in the woods and stuff like that. Always picking them up, bringing them in the house. And we've had so many different animals as pets. But uh, she ended up going to Barry College, which is a B3 school in Rome, Georgia. And um, very no- well known for its vet program. That's what they do. That's what they're all about. And it's the largest university in the world. Had no idea. We didn't know that until they recruited her for track. And um, she um, found the school on her own. And um, went there and said, you know, she turned down Michigan State, turned down uh, Mississippi State, who all good, have good vet programs, in order to go there. And it turned out to be the best thing for her because she's done so well. And she um, made the all-conference team as a freshman, never done before, um, the first freshman um, to do that and the first female um, to do that um, in uh, high jump this year. So she does multi-events, but in high jump is her main event. And she set a personal record and um, came in second um, in her conference and got invited to the NCAAs uh, this year um, in high jump. So we're really proud of her. And her name is Cayman, but I don't know if I said that or not, but like the Iowa, Cayman Brown is uh, our oldest daughter. You know, I'm looking at the comments here in the comment feed, and I see Lisa Woodman says, I'm getting old. And I think that was because <laughs> because I didn't remember Chuck Pochet's wife's name, which is Renee. Renee Pochet. How do I forget that? It, it, it rhymes. rhymes. I know. <laughs> you redeemed yourself. I redeemed myself, but Renee's probably gonna, you know, want to kick my ass because I've known her since she was like, since I was like eighteen. So, she's That's actually true. he was really the two percent club all the way through. Good old Chuck Pochet, all the way through. I almost made it all the way through. I kind of took a couple of hiatuses there during the time, but I started out with the same girl, ended with the same girl, and married um, that girl. So, and hey, for twenty-seven years. Yeah, yeah. Lisa was my um, company mate, um, G4. I'm along with Dave Chambers and all those other guys that are on. So, what's up, Guppies? Go Guppies. Guppies. Go Guppies. Yeah, and fight, you guys, I, fighting Guppies. They're about to jump up into second place. You're about to, with your donation, you guys are going to jump up into second place as the second highest participation rate in, in, the, in the class. 
Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, so all you got to do is just, you know, make a small donation, nineteen ninety nine. is all we need. Is That's all we need. And so... uh, It works. Yeah. And so... um, And also, I think, actually, technically, there's a technicality, too, because it was Mike Rooney. Is he your classmate? Yeah. Your company mate? Yeah, running. Man, his wife is... You know, she's one of those... uh, I forgot what you call those games. Yeah, yeah, the CrossFit games. It's unbelievable, CrossFit. yeah. It's unbelievable. I'm just getting, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed watching <laughs> what she has become and looking at Chuck LaPellas running freaking 50 miles. And Oh, my goodness, yeah. But I, ran, awesome. I, ran four yeah. Mi- I ran four miles this morning. I was all feeling all accomplished. That's that's like bullshit. That's, that's nothing. <laughs> hey, that's better than what I did today. Man. <laughs> I got went to church with Ron Hall and came back and, yeah, tell me about. So you went to church with Ron Hall. So you're in Michigan for half yeah. the time, and you hooked up with him and Ron, with Ron, with Ron Hall and went to church, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He invited me to his church, and um, I started going there and have been since I've been up here for the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, he and his family, man, they pretty much adopted me um, into his family. So we don't live far apart, um, and uh, so we hang out a lot together. And when they know I'm here by myself, you know, they they you know, just invite me over. So I basically I set up camp at his house too. And, uh, you know, Ron has his own company here uh, in the Michigan area. He is a um, CEO of a company called Bridgewater Interiors. So they make basically interiors for cars. So all kinds of different uh, uh, car makers are his clients. And uh, he makes, you know, seats and stuff like that that goes on the inside of the car. Yeah, Ron Hall, I think, was company D1, if I recall. He was in my yeah. battalion. Well, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I think Lisa's, I think Lisa's husband was in D1 as well. And um, Todd Rumbles, I think they were class, uh, uh, actually company mates, I believe. Uh, at least in direct us on that, if that's not the case. But I know that he knows Ron well, and they were they were friends. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely D one too. He was a duck. Yeah, D1 duck. that's what I thought. Yeah. You know what? I I don't recall our battalion having a lot of. Oh no, there was actually quite a bit of competition. I was about to say there wasn't a lot of competition between the companies, but there really was. Company Company D one and F one would go hard in these basketball games out in the, in the area. Cause we had a lot oh. of, we had a good ball players and they had good ball players and they had Rob Burns who was a yeah. real good ball player, but also yeah. an even better yeah. shit talker. And, yeah, then he, <laughs> and there was a lot of, there was a lot of, a lot of good games that were going on back and forth. But I mean, oh, other than that, I mean, other than basketball, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of like competitiveness. Like we were all kind of like all friends and stuff. I think in that whole that whole group. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, actually, Lisa's correcting us now. She said that Todd was in E one. Oh, he's in E one. Oh, E one. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. But yeah. One company over. We yeah, gotta I, knew, get, I, knew that. Yeah. I I gotta get some E one people on this on this podcast. I've been I've actually been pinging um Scott Halstead, who was in E one for most of the time. Um, okay. or somebody E1 is one of those companies I have not, I've decided now to really kind of spread this out. I want to try to get a classmate from each company. So E1 has not been represented yet. Uh, you're, oh, the, okay. you're the G4 rep, right? So I need somebody from E1 and, uh, been talking to Scott Halstead, but could talk to somebody else, whatever. But I think E1, somebody that, cause I got D1, I got F1, but I need to get E1. So the E1, the Vikings, the E1, damn it guys. Then a shout out to Lisa there. I can tell her to get Todd on this. Yeah, get, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Todd's up here. He he works over at one of the uh, OEMs over at uh, GM. So, yeah, very good. So, All right. so, uh, 
Did I hit all the kids? I think I hit you, them all. Yeah, well, I hope you don't hit your kids, man. <laughs> yeah, we ran out of room. I think the last one is Chatham, who's our youngest daughter, and um, she does track and basketball. And like I said, she's a defending 100-meter champion uh, a couple years in a row. And then um, basketball team, and she's, you know, really good basketball player, and her team has done really well. Real proud of her, but she's the reason why my wife is still out of Atlanta right now while we uh, let her graduate and go on through. But she's she's the last of the Browns and my last hope to get somebody into the academy. So she's she's got a legacy and built up a little reputation down there as well. And she was actually defensive player of the year um, for our uh, basketball uh, in our area uh, in Northwest Atlanta. So. So real proud of her too, and she's a, a four point oh student as well. So you're uh, you're originally from Savannah, Georgia, uh, yeah. And your your and your wife Leslie is also from that area. So yeah. Atlanta's not yeah. that far away, but your Atlanta's your home, but Savannah is your original home, right? That's right. That's a family home. So I'm a military brat. My dad was Air Force, but he's actually from Dublin, Georgia, which nobody knows where it is. But it's a little town between Macon and Savannah. And my mom is from Savannah. And um, so we lived everywhere, you know, growing up in the military. But we always came back to Savannah. It was kind of our base. And um, whenever my dad would get stationed somewhere kind of crazy, we'd go and be with my grandma in Savannah. So that was always, you know, kind of the home base and home for us um, all my years uh, coming up. So whenever people ask me where I'm from, I always say Savannah, Georgia, even though we lived a lot of different places. So how were you in Savannah when you're, like, in high school years, like those formative high school years where you met Leslie for the first time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where she actually was the first person I met when I um, came to uh, Savannah to high school and uh, said hello to me. And actually, actually, one of my cousins uh, knew her and liked her and got us on the phone to kind of talk. You know, I used to do three-way calling back in the day. Oh, my Kids God. Yeah. Anything about that. Yeah. She had me on the call to help him talk to her ended up she ended up liking me and the rest is history right you know so and cousin and I we're still close but we're not as close as we used to be since uh, I ended up marrying Leslie and he did <laughs> so what year what year were you in high school when you moved to Savannah so I was coming off my junior year going to going to senior year so you did your freshman and sophomore year someplace else then yeah 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 we were in um uh Gelnhausen, which is a small town in uh, Europe was my dad's last station and uh, so I was there for high school and then came to uh, to Georgia from there. What did he do in the uh, Air Force? What was his role? So he had been in a tactical air wing and then ended up in um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, when you're just transporting, uh, transport uh, unit at a Homestead, Homestead Air Force Base uh, Germany uh, uh Green, Green, not Greenland, Iceland. Uh, he was ROTC professor and University of Wisconsin in Madison. You know, at a time that I don't, I don't remember, but we lived there for a while. And uh, Hickam Air Force Base in uh, Hawaii. Um, when I was probably like maybe fourth, fifth grade. Um, yeah, fifth grade time frame. So various places, but tactical air wing at first. Um, in Vietnam, tactical air wing, and then um, in, uh, you know, troop carry, troop carry around cargo, cargo planes and stuff like that in his later years. What, what, um, when did he retire? Uh, let's see. Dad would have retired in, 
Sue retired in 85, 80, yeah, about 85. Yeah. So two years before we started uh, at West Point, but you weren't, you went into the Air Force, right? Following high school? No, you... no Air Force. Because, uh, um, well, he wanted me to go to Air Force Academy, but I didn't have the eyesight to go. So I actually ended up going enlisted in the Army, believe it or not, um, because the Army had this kind of scholarship thing going on where you got, you know, all the scholarship. They were hungry for people to be what's called a 19 Delta. You know what a 19 Delta is? No. That is like the old West movie. That's a scout. That is a cavalry oh, scout. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Fort Knox, Kentucky. So I, I took it and went into the Army, uh, enlisted, and um, graduated top of my class and w- went over to Germany with Usura Soldier of the Year, you know, as a little young uh, private, TV2, E2. How about that? Believe it or not, I ran into Dave Chambers' dad. I didn't even know Dave Chambers at the time. But Dave Chambers, was um, his father was uh, Usura Commander uh, of Germany. And um, and uh, he pinned a medal on me for being the Soldier of the Year. His father? And his father, yes. Wow. His, he was the commander over there, Supreme Commander of U.S. Forces um, in Europe. And um, I didn't know him at the time, but I met him. And while I was there, my, my captain said, what are you doing here? Uh, he looked at my scores and grades and stuff. And was like, you need to be somewhere else. And so he talked me into um, going, you know, signing up to go to West Point. And since I had been out of school for a couple of years, um, they suggested that I go to the prep school. And so I went to the prep school. And that's where I met, you know, Dave Chambers, Reggie Moore, Ingrid, um, so many others. Um and I became close friends. And what, then, what, uh, company, what, com- what company? What company? What company in the uh, in the um, prep school were you? Uh, you know, but I do not remember. I just I remember Dean Bill. If those of you who are on the phone remember uh, prep school, Dean Bill, but I do not remember what company we were in. <laughs> um, but I had a good role there, in, you know, leadership positions and everything, and uh, played football there as well at the prep school, and. Um, I uh, had a good time. It was a great experience of my life. and kind of really helped me make that transition to get prepared for switching from, you know, being in the regular Army to going to the academy. It was a nice transition. So we have a little comment here from uh, Mr. Clark. He says, I finally don't blame you for Bill Bruckner screwing up on that routine ground ball <laughs> at first base, which let the Mets go on to beat the Red Sox. He doesn't and blame you for that? He doesn't blame you for it. Why? What happened? Were you talking during the game or something? <laughs> I blame my kids for that too. When the when the giant like I, I my kids I, like they're talking to each other when the Giants are playing and they screw up. I said you guys, it's your fault that we just you screwed it up. Them, yeah. They they literally they are they are it's their fault that when 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 the games get lost. Yeah, yeah. Is, is right, there, right. in fact, right. when when um they were just jaw jacking to each other back and forth. When remember we like all we needed to do is kick the ball out of bounds. And we would have gone, yeah. gone to the playoffs, and that, and somehow this dumbass kicked it and to the Eagles, and the guy ran back for a touchdown. Oh yeah, I remember that. It's their yeah. fault. My two boys, it's their fault for jaw jacking during the their game. Their fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he remembers me because I was a huge, huge um, Doc Gooden fan, and um, you know I just wanted the Mets to win so, so, so bad, and. Uh, I had friends who knew Daryl Strawberry personally, and so I was just a big fan of that that Mets team. And like they they gotta they gotta finally finally win one, <laughs> you know. 
it was a miracle match, you know, and that ended up being a great game. But yeah, I, I was talking a lot of trash during that. And I think we were in like our day room or something watching that game all together. Do you remember the pine tar uh that was yeah. started with um Yes the Pine Tar yes. game with uh Brett wait, George Brett? What no, what was George his name? Brett. George Brett and George Star- Brett. Strawberry diving into the dugout. I think yeah. it was. Clocking yeah. the, trying to clock him. Huh. That yeah. was a Remember that? That was incredible. They called him Brett a cheater back then. I remember that game. Yeah, he was a great player though. I I loved him. I like the way he played. You know, I don't know what kind of guy he was. Never forget the expressions on his face. Yeah, he couldn't believe it. Yeah, (laughs) you could tell he was going WTF the entire time when he was that umpire was talking (laughs) to him. You Do you remember the game, it? Jamie? Do you remember that? I, you... I remember the Pine Tar game, yeah. yeah he came oh rushing out God. of the dugout. Yeah. Was like... yeah, it was huge. That was a huge event. I mean, it was a big deal. Yeah, because those Royals teams, man, they, they, they had it going there for a while. Yeah. So I want to take us back to the actual experience in the prep school. Cause not, everybody, not everybody may be as big of a baseball fan as, uh, as Keith Brown and uh, Dan Clark, but we'll see. Um, but yeah. the, the uh, uh, So you end up like – showing up for um beast barracks i mean you just spent a year at the prep school and lo and behold in your in your platoon are two of your good prep school buddies right oh yeah my goodness because you don't know what you're going to get right they tell you you're going to all be scrambled out and they try and make sure they sprinkle prepsters all throughout and um at the prep school i was really good friend as my fact dave chambers dad remembered me he came to the prep school you know quite a few times it would take us out and stuff like that. And he remembered me, you know, from that. So I got to be good friends with his family. When we go on the beach and we get into our companies, and not only are Dave Chambers and Reggie Moore, uh, who were with me and good friends at the prep school, but they are in my company. And not only are they in my company, but Dave Chambers and I were roommates. (laughs) And so that made the transition, you know, coming into Beast, we already knew each other. Wait, you were roommates in Beast? We were roommates in Beast. We were roommates in the company. Like, I don't. You know, so they, I, so I, I'm always interested by this, like how they set these companies up. How do they put two prepsters together in the same room? We like, had no idea. So you know, because in Beast, you know your your squad that you know you and your platoon, because you know how you know you're all G company, right? And then they divide you up one, two, three, and four. First platoon, second platoon, third platoon, fourth platoon. So we're in the same squad. You know, and beast, and man, that that's the anchor, right? You you already going through all of this craziness, and to have somebody that you know well, and then you spent the last year with, in the same area, in the same platoon squad with you, um, hanging out, that that made a big big difference, and you know, just kind of comfort level, so you can worry about some of the other stuff and not have as many, um, you know, worries as people who are just kind of fresh off, don't know anybody. And you're going through all of that at the same time. So that that really helped me having those guys there. We also had Kevin Barry in our company um, as well. Um, so so that was really good for us to have. You know, he was a basketball player. So we, we, we had a good foundation of guys who just kind of we knew and could, you know, hang out with and um, do some things with to kind of help us get through. So we don't know how the three of us all ended up, you know, in the same place in the same company. But it was it was awesome to have that. It does seem kind of. I guess every company probably has three or four prepsters, like just doing right. the math. So yeah, yep. you guys just happen to know each other well from that we time. Knew each other well, yeah, and you know, and ended up in the same place. So that was pretty awesome. Cause we had some other guys too for the prep school that ended up with us, but we weren't as close to them as we were to each other. So 
because, you know, we had uh, Matt Hubbard and some others, too, that were um, there as well. I just didn't hang out with Matt as much at the prep school when we got to be friends, you know, once we got into the company together. I remember first day at Beast, like, you know, Dave Baxter, he's a prepster. He's in my – and mm-hmm. I, I may have told the story. I'll, I'll tell it quickly if I if I, I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But so, uh, you know, he's so squared away. He's making his bed. He's shining his shoes, all this stuff. So I figure he's an upperclassman. I'm calling him sir, right? He's, my, he's our <laughs> classmate. And he looks at me and he goes, you don't need to call me sir. Just call me Dave. I'm like, yes, sir. I'm like – Wait, are you my classmate? Of course, I don't have to call you sir, you dipshit. <laughs> He's like, you don't have to call me. You don't have to. You can call me sir if you want to, but you don't have to right, call me sir. Don't have to. <laughs> that sounds like something Dave Baxter would do. I love Bax. I love Bax so much. Oh yeah, yeah. He used to tell me like when some you know yearling or cow was yelling at him, and he he knew I was a prepster as well, and he and I were about the same age. He would say. Can you believe this young guy? You know, like, like, oh yeah, he would just, well, you, you know. But here's the thing: it's like three year difference. Like, so like, Bax, Bax pretended like he was a senior citizen. Like, he like, I, I go, oh, to, yeah. bed, I go to bed at night, listen to my bones creak, my body falling apart. You young guys, you know, you don't know how uh-huh. it's gonna be. Like, you're freaking twenty two years old, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he would make it seem like it was such a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. Nickname. Yeah. When we were at the academy amongst the guys that I hung out with, they always called me Gramps. I saw that. Gramps. Yeah. Somebody said Gramps. They call you Gramps because of your age or because you like you got like the big, deep, booming voice? Oh, they call me Gramps because of my age. Uh, <laughs> they yeah. always exaggerated how old I was. They're like, you know, did they have uh, cars back when you were coming up, Chief? You know, they were like, so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, Jeff Simpson and all those guys would give me a hard time with that. But I had a good time about it, you know. Yeah. So, so you and Leslie were together during plebe year, like, like. Oh you, yeah. So, where did she go to college? She did. She went to college in Atlanta at Georgia State University. And, okay. You know, those were the days when we had to wait in line down in the basement, on doing the, a long, uh, long distance uh, thing, get a caller. Yeah. We had to coordinate. You know, look, I'm going to call you. You know, Friday night or Saturday night at this time, you you can't miss the call, and. uh and that was before cell phones and everything, so you you had to have it just right. Yeah, but yeah, she she hung in there and slept with me through all of that. Man. And she came up for the dances too. She did. She came up to the dances a couple of times, and then um, you know when we had a plea parent weekend, remember that? She came up with my folks um, for that, and um, you know we're always there. She didn't miss any any big event that we had where family you know could come. She came, and um, you know of course all of the the milestone things as well, you know, 500th night, 100th night, all of that. She was there for, for all of it. So That's pretty awesome to have that kind of like, th- you know, through thick and thin, like all that, all the way back. That That's, that's pretty awesome. We're going to, you know, and obviously you guys had a little bit of time off and away from each other, but you still, you know, ended up going all the way through and, oh, and yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. So what were some memorable stories? Like, uh, by the way, on the pre-call, we were, we we didn't talk about this, but you put this in the in the show notes. You walked zero hours, zero hours. Yep. How is that possible? Yep. Um, just lucky. Plus, you know, football, you know, helps out with that because you're not around as much to get into, you know, Trouble. situations that people walk. Yeah, yeah. So that was a blessing. At least, I think Lisa uh, Rumbles, uh, Woodman Rumbles, walked all of the hours that I would have had. 
but she ended up getting quite a few when we were cadets. What did she get in and, trouble for? Uh, everything. It was always blame Lisa for something. So <laughs> everything that went wrong, it was always Lisa. <laughs> so, she took the heat off of a lot of us, especially at Sleeve. Um, we were always, you know, stuff going on, and then Lisa would be the one that they would pick on for some reason. So I guess because she was small, and uh, she caught up a lot of attention, you know, red hair and everything. So she was a strawberry blonde. So they would zero in on her and kind of leave us alone a little bit. She says she has a gu- <laughs> she has a guilty face. She said she does uh, guilty yeah. face. She took the heat for us. 180 <laughs> hours she walked. Holy shit! That's one of the that's that's a high I number. I knew it was a lot. I didn't know it was that much. Lisa. 180 hours. Oh my god. Yeah. So that was some of mine are probably in there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Yeah, she's really good. She's up here in Michigan as well. So I've uh, had dinner with her and Todd once, and then with her and her son um, not long ago. Nice. So yeah, Lisa spoke by. Yeah. Well, I found out there's a lot more grads up in this area than I thought. Um, they don't have a. Detroit, uh, West Point Society, it's kind of the entire state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So I've been here and kind of run into a few um, on West Pointers around in the area. So it's a good network. Yeah. Lisa just peppered into comments, too, that she met her husband on the area. So I guess there's some good things that can come from <laughs> being in trouble yeah, so I've much. Heard, I've heard that story. Apparently, Todd, Todd got caught up in a few things as well uh, as we came up through the process. So, yeah. Hey, but something good came out of it, right? Yeah, something good came out of it. Can't 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 be anything wrong, and that must be an interesting one. Telling your kids, you know, mommy and daddy met in trouble on the area. Yeah, there she was. I saw her from across across the area with her gleaming, shiny, you know, breastplate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, going back. Do they still have the area? Is that still a thing? It, yeah, they do. They do. They they got rid of it for a while, but then they brought it back. I think actually this uh, General Gilland is like he's pretty much old school. He's also not scrambling them anymore. Oh, it seems okay. like yeah, it seems like they they kind of you know there's always like this kind of like on again off again thing. So, but it, right. like when I'm but you know talking to my nephew, it's no different. These cadets are still all disenchanted. They feel like everything doesn't make sense and. What the hell? You know, why are we doing this? So, right, right. Um, you know, it's always the core has right from the old grads when yeah. things are go away. And yeah, I had old grads that I've I've met, and even in my company, I've got a couple of uh, guys who are from like the late seventies, and uh, they know I'm a West Pointer, so they uh, they tell me stories about certain things that they had to go through and what they had to deal with, and uh, they say, "Yeah, you guys had it soft. You didn't have to do this, and you didn't have to do that." You know. So, <laughs> so we all have those. Just another comment here. Lisa's talking about how Todd got got busted drinking by the soup. Yeah, the soup I heard that story. I've yeah. heard that story. Yeah, he and some guys were down. I think Trophy Point or somewhere down there, or you know, kind of down where um, you know you go and take your girl for uh, uh, you know hanging out, hanging out. Uh, yeah, and he was coming up and. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, he had been drinking, obviously, and uh, who's walking down while he's coming up is a soup. And so what do you do, right? You're busted. <laughs> you just go busted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. General Palmer was a soup. General Palmer. Yeah. Were yeah. There, so were there any other, like, memorable, like, stories of somebody getting in trouble or doing some kind of cadet antics that, that you recall, like, favorite cadet memories from uh, Company G4? 
Oh, yeah, we did some crazy stuff, man, especially as, as police. Our group of police, man, we had some guys that did, did some wild and crazy things. But I just remember us, you know, really getting in good. With our first piece was actually a crew group, and our cows were nasty. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we put on some skits and different things with them, especially in that, what's it called, you know, when you flip rolls for a while? Oh, yeah, that's 100th night, right, when you, you do the... Yeah. Oh, that's the hundredth night, yeah, when you did the flip and, and we did to yell at them and do stuff. So we organized this thing where we all put on our laundry bags and dressed up crazy and, and marched them out on the area and made made them do some crazy stuff. But for me the most memorable thing is first of the year I got to be regimental adjutant and um I used to make all the announcements, right? You know the adjutant does all the announcements, you know, when we have the right the uh, regimental formation. So I had this thing, uh, it was called, uh, you know, kind of get some. I don't know if you remember this. We had the 101st when they did us yearling year. They had, it was one of the units that was training us. Mm-hmm. They had this call. They said get some. And so I actually incorporated that into our announcement. And um, all the pleas, you know, from that year on, always, you know, when they saw me, would get some, sir. And then I always figured out a way to get it into the announcement. Um, for everybody, especially on the weekends, I would make sure that I told them all to make sure they went they went forth, you know, because we're the fourth regiment, go forth and get some, and they got a real kick out of that. So, kind of added some humor and you know, lighten moments up, and kind of got that to be like my little kind of tagline um, at school. And I still have guys today. I run into them in the airport or in business meetings or something, and they're like, "Yeah, I remember you from West Point." They're like, "Get some, Keith," you know, something like that. So, that's kind of like my thing. So then moving on here, so you graduate from West Point. Wait, so was Leslie, was, was were you still together with Leslie at the time you graduated? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was there along with my whole family and everything. And, uh, yeah, I graduated from West Point and, you know, went to airborne school. I already had air assault and some other stuff, you know, from before. But went to airborne school and then um, 100 and um, – well, you and I were together. We were in uh, OBC together. OBC. Yeah, I went engineers. Yeah, yeah. So we we both show up at OBC. I yeah. guess we were like in se- September or so, right? In September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we showed up in September. Yeah. yeah. And so at this point, I think you you and Leslie, there was a little you, you had a little took a break then at that point, right? You guys were broken up for. There was, a little break. There was this little little lady at our. I think she was from Georgetown <laughs> uh, University. Right. So, you know, pretty nice young lady that took a liking to me and. Um, and I think I told her about it or something. And my roommate was uh, Blake. And uh, our Bla- classmate. Blake Albert. Yeah, Blake Albert. Yeah. Who's, who I think is still active duty right now. He was, you he know, is. yeah, he's still. He yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. We still keep in touch. And um, so Blake and I were roommates in OBC. And what I didn't know. Wait, was, hold on, hold on. Your roommates or you were like, because I don't remember being having a roommate. I think we all had singles, but maybe you're close to each other or shared a bathroom yeah, or something? Yeah, either mean, he was in my room. I don't know what we were doing together. I think Blake had these things where we played poker. Okay. Uh, he was a big poker guy, you know, smoked cigars and stuff like that. So it was like on a weekend. And we were in the room together. And uh, there's this knock on the door. I'm in there with, you know, a whole bunch of guys. And we're playing poker smoking cigars and at believe it or not, Blake had this thing where he could hold his water all night, not get up from the table. He never wanted to leave the table. And so we were doing this thing where we we're actually counting down how long he could urinate. So it was <laughs> kind of crazy. But, this is I this mean, is typical. 
she could go more than a minute, man. No, no lie. It was, it was ridiculous. Well, anyway, we're, we're doing this thing and we're making noise and this knock on the door. And he got ticked. He's like, who is knocking on our door? It's like early in the morning. And um, Leslie, unbeknownst to me, had driven from Atlanta 10 hours and knocked on the door. Hold on, hold on. And- we got to set this up a little bit more. Because what had yeah. happened was you guys were like taking a break or whatever. And yeah. She's down in Atlanta, and you're in Missouri. That's like that's, it's even more than ten. I think it's even more than ten hours. Oh yeah, it's a long, long ride. So, and this is before yeah. the cell phones. There's no like you know texting, whatever. She shows up. Yeah, yeah. Knocks on his door or your door. It was your door that you're you're having a poker my game. My door. Yeah. All right. Yeah, my door. And we're all in there. It's like a, you know. Well, first, how does she even get? I guess now this this goes a sign of the times. She just drove on the post, right? There was no like, oh yeah, security. Yeah. There was nothing. Drove, like, on, the post drove, drove on the post, walked into the, uh, walked into the um, OBC uh, yeah. quarters. She, yeah. she could easily, you know, been packing heat, you know. Yeah, easily but, kept there. But she, she right was, but she wasn't carrying a weapon though. She's carrying something else, right? Yeah. So she what what happened there? Yes, I opened the door and say, "Oh my gosh, you know, I'm in shock, right?" And um, and it's her. She gave me a big hug, and then she got down on her knee and proposed to me. And Blaze was ticked off that somebody knocked on our door, you know, early in the morning. And um, then when he saw who it was, he backed off, right? And uh, and she proposed to me at that time. Unbeknownst to her, I had been saving up for a ring. You know, we're not making much money there, so I was saving up, and I had already had a ring. Um, in mind to have for her at some point. I didn't know when I was going to do it, but I had it planned. And uh, and but she gave me a ring, put it on my finger, and all the guys were you know giving me hell, right? And I like, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? You better say yes, you know. And all this it so, totally, totally just shocked me. Well, that is crazy. That is, I mean, it's awesome, right? It's an awesome story. So yeah, you got proposed to at OBC. Yeah. She at OBC. she came yeah. up there and said, Keith Brown, will you marry me? Yeah, in front of all my guys. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the next day. I remember the ring. As I, as I recall, tell me if I'm wrong. It's well, first of all, I think you, you might have been wearing it on your pinky, right? Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a little blue ring because it wasn't the right size. Right, right. And it had like 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 a little blue like stone or like a like a like an onyx kind of looking stone. I think. I remember that. That's exactly right. It was blue. It was uh, I forgot what you call it, a topaz or right. I don't know what to do it. But yeah, it was blue. It was a gold ring with a with a blue stone in it, and it wasn't the right size. We later got it resized, but it would only fit on my pinky because she didn't know what size my hands were um, at that time. But yeah, I mean, you know, everybody knew because you know all the guys were there, so they they told the story, and um, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of gave me a little crap about it, but at the same time, I thought it was pretty cool. So who else yeah. was there with you? Um, let's see, Bogues was in there. Um, Bogus was from what, H4? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bogovich, yeah. Bogovich was there. Uh, Blaze, who else played pool with us? Um, I think Rory might have been in there, Rory Anglin. Okay. Um, and then some of the other guys, I don't remember. And then some, a couple of ROTC guys, too, were kind of hanging with us. Um, we, had some, we had some good ROTC guys in that class. Yeah. That was a lot. Of, and then, then there was the National Guard guys yeah. who, were, who were great. Remember that guy, Leon? I remember Leon. Leon, yeah. oh my God, Leon was a riot. Right, Leon was. I mean, Leon was so great. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. <laughs> made it, you know, 
made it bearable uh, to go through together. But I learned a lot from some of those guys. Yeah, you were right. Our ROTC class, man, we had some really, really good guys, some smart guys in our group. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So then you and I, we did the rip thing the whole time. Do you oh, remember, yeah. Do you remember the guy that was our o- OIC for that? Yeah, that captain. He had blonde hair, had the little, captain little, little Timbers. Captain yeah, wore the glasses. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he got us ready for uh, He Ranger sure school. did. Him, he sure did. I, Rory, yeah, Rory he, knew everything about Ranger School. Yeah, Rory. Because <laughs> Rory had been all the way through and I think got recycled like the la- as a cadet, like at the last possible cadet, moment. Right. He got the last phase as a cadet. And, you know, you can't get recycled because we don't have enough time in your cadet summer. So he had already gone through before and made it to the last phase and got a no-go. And, um, you know, he was really ticked about that. So he was preparing for that ever since Cal year to go back to Ranger School. And he was determined he's going to make it this time. So, And without him, I never would have made it uh, through Ranger School because he, he taught me so much, man. Yeah, he and I were really good friends to this day. Yeah, I love Rory. Uh, it, Rory ended up, you know, Rory was – well, you and you and I were in the same platoon. We're all in the same platoon. We, we we're just, all in the same platoon because yeah. we all were hanging out, or not hanging out. Nobody's hanging out at Ranger School. But we were all like kind of clustered together when they oh, kind of yeah. broke us up into the into the platoons, and we yeah. had all of the engineer OBC guys. A lot of them were all in the same platoon. So it was me. It was you? It was Rory? It was um, Lumen Rowley. Yeah, uh, Rowling. Yeah. Remember uh, Brian Reese was there? Oh, yeah, I remember Brian. Yeah, um, and we and we did the crazy thing. We went Winter Ranger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know the I, thing about Winter Ranger is you got more food. Yeah, I would got- I wouldn't do it any other way. I would say you always get warm if you're cold. You can't right, and if, if you don't have food and you can't, I mean that's just terrible. So all right, it's awful. Yeah, and when it's hot, I don't, you can take off all your clothes. It's still hot. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 the only thing I didn't like about Winter Ranger was the swim. You know, jumping into that pool. Uh, in what was it, January when we went? No, yeah. February, February tenth. February. In February, man, that was not that was not good. But other yeah. than that, I didn't really could deal with it, you know. Although we had some crazy stuff happen in our class, we had some guys get get hurt and injured, and, and we, we had two had guys die. We had two guys die. Yeah, yeah. In our squad, yeah, Mount Faith and Buckner, yeah, yeah. Mount Faith guy, he died. Of, uh, he died of heat. Or he wasn't drinking water or something like that. Actually, I looked looked into it later on. This guy was in my squad. This is probably one of the more formative experiences of my life, actually, is losing Mm -hmm. that guy. Michael Crane, Staff Sergeant Michael Crane. Michael Crane, yeah. Yeah. All that dude wanted to do was go home and and be with this two-year-old kid. I'll never forget that. He would talk about, you know, wants to just sit in his boxers and and eat Captain Crunch and watch cartoons with his son. He never got home. Wow. uh, Which sucks. But, But... he actually had sickle cell anemia. Didn't know oh, it. Okay, so they didn't know that. That trait, I thought they test for that. Don't they test for that? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. I, I, I read the report later Later on somehow I got a hold of it or, you know, that he basically, when they got up in the altitude, so mm-hmm. that's when, like, his blood just, his, you know, blood cells just couldn't carry the oxygen. Right. And, and that's how he died. Yeah, I remember that man marching up in those mountains. That was that was tough, man. That was that was pretty sad. And we had the one guy that died at Buckner. Um, I don't know. You what mean the Darby? The Darby phase? A Darby phase, yeah. Yeah, he fell off the slide for life. Yeah, yeah. There was some shenanigans going on around that too. I just remember that, but that was pretty intense. But they made it hard for us to try and um, 
you know, do that, man. That was pretty tough. You know, I, I think there's probably a lot of shit going down behind the scenes because you lose two people in Ranger School within a span of, like, two weeks. Yeah. Like, what, three weeks or four weeks? I mean, there's got to be all kinds of attention that's going on there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of attention on our class. And we had kind of stuff. You remember when we were in the desert phase, um, we had live fire. Remember they had a, they brought us all together and put us in a huddle and said, everybody get in. And, they, and um, I was actually one of the leads on that exercise, and uh, they stopped it. And I was going to get a go, too. They stopped it and brought us all in because somebody, I think it was drug people, were trying to come through the military base and get into U.S. with drugs. And they were being engaged by um, what you call it, the Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Man, yeah, this insane. this you remember. I do not. But you know, you said something which is critical. Is it was your patrol? So it when my, when it's your patrol, you are like tuned up. You're like paying attention, right? Yeah. When you're yeah. in like you know when you're not, we used to call it getting the fuzzy nuts, right? Like when it's, <laughs> when it's your turn, like all of a sudden you're you're locked in. I was not locked in. I don't okay, remember this. I probably just like. Is it, oh, some, some, shit, some shit's going down. Let me just put my head down and fall asleep until somebody wakes me up. You're yeah, trying to catch 40 minutes, right, whenever you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was pretty intense, man. They brought us all in a big huddle, ended the exercise. And I was like, but I'm about to get a go. They were like, uh, uh, listen, and, you know, so you had to pay attention. And they stopped the whole thing, man, and brought us back in after everything calmed down. But I'll never forget that in the middle yeah. of it. Mexican desert down there. It's pretty crazy. So, Keith, as I told you on the pre-call, time would go by so quickly, right? We're de- we got 15 minutes left. We've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. And so we've, we've kind of followed our plan, though. We talked about where you are right now. We went back to the beginning, walked through the whole story mm-hmm. with, you know, OBC and Ranger School and kind of moving up towards uh, transition out of, out of the military. So we're, we're, on, we're on target, but I just want to give you a heads up that we're uh, – we have 15 minutes left. So, can I insert a random right. question here? Sure. Now, you say sure. you're from, uh, originally from Georgia? He's from yeah. Savannah, Georgia, yep. Okay. Georgia, yep. Have you ever had a calzone? Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I had a friend of mine that moved down there back in the late 80s, early 90s. Said he could never uh-huh. find a restaurant, uh, an Italian restaurant or pizzeria that knew what a really? calzone was. I don't remember exactly where he was in Georgia, but. I know you weren't able to get things like that. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, d- definitely you go outside of like like pork roll and cheese or Taylor. No, and you go outside and, two, 200 miles outside of New York and pe- like what they might call it pizza and they might call it a calzone. It's not, it's not yeah, the same. Yeah. It's totally it's different. Not the same, and, and bagels right. too, like, stromboli or something yeah, maybe. No. That's you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's different. Yeah, but w- one of the things about Savannah, it is a pretty international city because of the port. Right. So there are there are a lot of transplants and retirees down there. So there's a couple of really good. Italian places uh, down there. There's one really good Italian sub place um, called Baldino's. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had Baldino's before, but it's one of those kind of Jersey Italian kind of places. And folks, they, they literally moved down there from Jersey, and that's pretty good. And um, and Sal's is a place that where you can get a good cow cow zone down in Savannah. So those the only place that I know of where you can get a real, you know, New York style cow zone. So oh, that's good. So Keith, you uh, obviously graduated from Ranger School, got out, went into had your platoon, went to advanced course. You were you were in a total of uh, six years. You had a company command too, right? Yep, yep. So so we used to be a hundred and first, um, and then my when right after Desert Storm, they took the I was in the twentieth engineers in the hundred and first in uh, you know Tennessee, and mm-hmm. they moved us to Fort Hood. 
which is where I ran it, where I ran into Ron Hall and some of the other guys again, you know, kind of caught up with them at Fort Hood. But first cab did not have an engineering brigade. So my entire brigade got moved from the 101st and we, we they sent us down to, uh, to Fort Hood and we got deployed over to the desert. So I actually went over to the desert twice. Um, went over to Kuwait and didn't do any combat engineering stuff. So the port that they used to unload equipment um, in um, Kuwait, I helped build and did that. And then um, was on the briefing committee for uh, Schwarzkopf when he, you know, wanted to know how the obstacles and how we're going to clean up, you know, all the mines and stuff like that we had over there. So just kind of crazy jobs like that, that they give to, you know, lieutenants to do and, and get stuff done. Um, so that was, it was good. It was, it was okay. It wasn't great. But yeah, I ended up having my command at a headquarters, headquarters, uh, HHD of 20th engineer brigade, uh, back at Fort Hood when we came back after the second time. And then, uh, you got out of how many years, six, seven years, something like that. Six years. Yeah. Six years. And then I did two years reserve, um, in Georgia and then called it quit. So getting out, you had an opportunity to go to a couple different places and, and you had, so, so tell me about, tell me about your transition. Tell me about, you know, how you kind yeah. of got to where you are now. I did the whole junior military officer recruiting thing. You know, I think it was a company called Lucas group. And, um, I went to go work for a Japanese company called Benin digital Industries. They make high end electronics. If you're ever in the audio file type stuff, they make very high end stuff. And so I was an engineer, obviously in background and, but the JMO recruited me to go work for IBM in Austin, Texas, you know. But we, being from Georgia, and my wife was there as well, she wanted to go to Atlanta to get closer to home, and I turned down a deal to go and be a manager at IBM, you know, coming right out of the Army. Mm-hmm. And would have been in cutting edge of all this tech stuff that was about to break loose, you know, in the 90s. And man, I, I look back now and say, well, would I make a different decision back then? Probably if I could know what I know now, you know, going to IBM because it's boomed. Austin has boomed to be the technology sector since then, right? But I turned that down and ended up taking this job with this uh, in digital industry in um, a town called Madison, Georgia, about 20, maybe a little bit more than that, about 25 miles outside, east of Atlanta, and didn't even know it was some famous famous town um but ended up being the operations manager there it was one of the west pointer as a matter of fact got much older than us but he was there and uh, he hired me to be operations manager there at the digital industries and that's how i got you know out and got my first job and everything and um it was great it turned out to be great but if i could go back man and make another decision i'd change that ibm thing and probably take that job in austin but she wanted to be closer to the family and and you know we had planned on having a family soon and she wanted support, you know, from, you know, her parents and her sisters that were, you know, up in the Atlanta area. So that's how we made that move. And I don't regret it. It ended up being great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think regrets may be too strong of a word. It's just like an observation of decision points, right? There's all these decision oh, yeah. points that happen, like where they take you, you know, you, you'll often wonder like, what if I, I think, I think a lot too about my decision point to get out of the army when I did, like, what if I stayed in longer or what if I, you know, I really, it can't explain why I got out. I mean, th- I mean, I can explain it, but you know, there was you could have stayed in longer, you know. And exactly. Was, yeah. Yeah. So when you look yeah. back, when you look back at those decision points, are there are there any other ones that particularly jump out at you, or 
maybe personal trials or situations that you think through that you think maybe it was West Point was influential, your experience in the military, your, you know, the the sort of whole, um, you know, way that you learn to approach problem solving uh, at West Point and uh, service the country. Like what, like what, what, what parts of um, your journey have been notable or influential for you? To me, it would be the time when I was in Atlanta at uh, HD, which is Home Depot. Mm-hmm. And Home Depot is pretty reliant upon the economy, especially the housing and commercial construction um, environment. And during the downturn, things got a bit crazy for us. We were selling off pieces of the company, and and things were going pretty wild. And um, I just remember, you know, being, you know, in a combat environment and hostile territory, being at West Point, you know, under stress with all this kind of stuff. And, and I thought, this really is not that, that bad, right? It's not that crazy. And I just kind of stayed calm through it and just got things done and got things executed. And what I didn't realize was, you know, I was being watched. And, you know, our CEO and other bosses in the company were watching how I handled that. It actually ended up turning out to be great for my career. But it really came back from, you know, the training we had, the environments that we had been put in. And that's like, you know, no one's dying here. It's not life or death. If we don't get this done, you know, like no one's not going to come back home. You know, like we we face, you know, we're out there, you know, in the, in the real uh, world, you know, with the military. So that just kind of helped me remain calm, think through things and just handle it. And, um, you know, they were impressed by that. So that actually ended up helping me in my career. So it was definitely a benefit that I learned, you know, you know, being at West Point and going through that and being in the Army. Yeah, I think that would probably be one of the most distinguishing characteristics of the West Point experience is having the, the ability to just deal with stressful situations and not stress out. Right. right. And, and uh, to your point, like, you know, the, the economy's cratering and the business is selling off pieces, but, you know, nobody's nobody's dying, right? Like, we're, we're, right. like there's not artillery rounds coming in. Exactly. Um, and... Um, you know, I think you know as I as I think about the accomplishments of our classmates. And by the way, I mean I've never been in a situation where artillery rounds were coming in, right? I, I maybe I trained for it, but, mm-hmm. but we have classmates who really did that for for real, right? And right. so it's I, not to make light of that as even being comparative, you know, to to compare it, right? But um, if there is if there is something I think that maybe we all benefited from, it's the ability to just kind of like take stock of the situation make sound judgment and not be the person hitting the panic button. Yep. Yep. You got that right, man. And that's going to go a long way. You know, I, I use that to tell my kids stuff, you know, when they get in stressful situations and think there's no way out and they're not going to make it. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, hold on. Let's calm down. Let's take it through. What do we got to do? What can we get done? And just kind of figure it out. So, Hopefully, I've imparted that. They haven't had a chance to be in that kind of an environment, but hopefully, I've imparted that wisdom to them that you know we've learned and gone through, and it's, it's, it's helped me out. So, definitely. So, Keith, we've been talking for just about the full amount of time, and uh, sure. I'm going to give you the last word in just a second, just to um, to to think through like what what words you want to kind of like leave with our classmates, but. Um, um, you know, the one thing we did not get to, we should spend some time on this. I just thought I'm just going through my, my checklist here. Um, you mentioned Carl Every, 
right? So oh, yeah. Carl, okay. Carl was in our OBC class with us. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you said that, um, when he passed, uh, you wrote a letter to his family. Yeah. So you know how we get the notices. So Scott Clemenson, you know, notifies us when somebody is going through a bad situation and, and let us know what's going on. And then, you know, you can, they set up a site and you can communicate back. So I wrote, you know, to the family and just let them know what he meant to me. And, you know, I had not only known him at the academy, but also, you know, at OBC and as a young, you know, engineer lieutenant. And just, you know, said some thoughtful words. And they really, really showed a lot of appreciation for that and said, hey, you know, we didn't know that. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And it just really hit home for me in reality because what it did was, you know, this is a guy that was with us, our classmate, and it kind of makes you aware of your own mortality. You know, it kind of changed me in a way because I actually ended up after that having a bout with cancer myself and, um, you know, kept things in perspective and, you know, prayed, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, God, you know, helped me get healed along with a, a group of great doctors. But um, I, I, you know, I didn't, I did not know that, that you, that yeah, you were a cancer had, survivor. Yeah. I had colon cancer. Yeah. And so, you know, made it through that and um, was able to deal with it, and, you know, in a, in, a, in a strong and positive way because of the, you know, that whole interaction. It just kind of got me thinking, you know, how would I handle this? And, you know, when you have somebody that's your age and they go through something like that and they, they're suffering and they're dying, you're the same age, you know, like, like, what about me? You know, I've heard of guys, you know, our age just out running and having a heart attack and just passing. And so... You know, I just want to impart to you guys, go go see the doctor. Go get checked. The reason I believe that, you know, I was also able to survive, besides God's grace, was I went to the doctor regularly and my doctor caught it. You know, get guys, go get the prostate checked. You know, we're all at that point now. You get to be 50, you got to go and get checked. You know, go get checked. Um, make sure, you know, get your test. Go see your doctor. It's important. Um, that you do that, not just for you, but for your family. Because, you know, it's more than just you that's in this thing called life, you know, and you affect everybody. So, and the other thing I want to say is our network, it has been great. It has been great for me, and I hope that I've been able to be great in the network and, and help other people out. Anytime, you know, West Point comes across or West Point is family and they ask for something or need something or get information, that's how I made it to where I am today is, is that, that network and people – you know, helping me out and imparting knowledge. And so whatever I get, I try and share that. And, and I hope we continue that. group. I got a great group of classmates that I'm really, really tight with. We're on WhatsApp together and we stay in touch with each other and our families. And when any of us are going through a tough time, we reach out and support and do whatever we can. So this network has just meant, you know, a lot to me. And the friendships that, you know, I formed at West Point, friendships that I formed in the Army still exist to this day. And, my daughter that went with me to go see Duke play Army, she was like, Dad, I just noticed that whenever you saw somebody from your class and y'all saw each other, that was like y'all saw each other yesterday. And, you know, then y'all would say, I ain't seen you in 20 years, you know, that kind of thing. But it's the camaraderie and a shared experience that we've had. And it, it just it means so much. And we do have those kind of relationships where you can just pick up and you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time. And it's like yesterday. And you just kind of hug and start talking and it's pretty awesome so she you know not a part of that noticed that and mentioned that to me when we we're you know flying back from new york back down to atlanta so it's a special thing that i don't think any other other than the academies could have that kind of a shared experience that we've had you know so it's been it's been great 
Yeah, I think that issue of like a shared hardship together that you kind of push through, that's what really forms these, um, you know, really powerful bonds that we have. And it's probably a good point to uh, wrap up on, which is, you know, part of the reason for this podcast, right, is to, is to maybe form a little bit more of connective tissue so that we can hear more of each other's stories and, and, and understand where there might be some synergies or ways that we could help out or, or um, you know, uh, stories that we could um, that we could recall together or celebrate the lives of our of our classmates, the accomplishments, and lift each other up, and and also most importantly as well to remember our fallen classmates. So, so Keith, on that, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna ask you to stick around on the on the call though for a few minutes after after the thing runs out. We'll get a chance to kind of debrief, but um, okay. I want to. That link too, Jeremy, so that we can jump on that. Because I want to make sure the guppies move up um, and move up one more place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. I put the link into the into the um, into the pod into the um, the podcast link here, so that you can donate okay. and and make sure you put in there that like this is for the All Academy Challenge as well as our class gift, so that we get uh, to double count this. This will be live on um, Pod uh, Podbean um, starting tomorrow, and okay. I want to th- I want to thank you, Keith, for. Um, for being being my my good friend and classmate and uh duty shall be done thank you for joining us on this edition of the duty shall be done old grad podcast please check back on this facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the duty shall be done old grad podcast